Hey. Awesome sister. Are you a big sister? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I want a hug. You want a hug? Okay, mama, give you hugs. I want a hug. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Welcome to Hot Marriage Cool Parents. I'm sitting here with my husband who likes to make sound effects, Douglas Hainer. Yeah, we don't have a sound machine, that's why. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Jamie Otis, and we've been having so much fun with you guys for the last year. We have reached 1 million downloads. That is still mind-boggling to me because in the beginning of the year, if you asked me how many downloads do you think that you'll have for Hot Marriage Cool Parents, I would say it tracks that. We just literally did this for fun and to yeah. connect and... It's just been mind-boggling how much that you guys are happy to connect with us as well. And it means the world to us. And we are about to be going on a baby moon. Last week, I was telling you that we would be on our baby moon, but I didn't have the dates right. And we actually <laughs> leave tomorrow, which is Saturday the 11th. Yes. And in other words, baby moon means mommy and daddy are going on vacation and leaving the baby behind. <laughs> yeah. What is a baby moon? I mean, when did this baby moon thing come around? Who even knows? I don't know, but I'm taking advantage. It was just an excuse for parents, I think. Yeah, to go on a vacation with their baby bump. Right. And... It was probably a vacation thing that was made up by guys because they know that if they go on vacation, they could drink and they have a designated driver. The whole entire time. The entire vacation. <laughs> That's so funny. It's probably true. So yeah, we go to Curacao tomorrow. We're yep. leaving our home at 6 a.m and we'll be arriving where the sun shines and it's warm and there's That's a beach. Right. So we actually pre-recorded this with our guests today. So we're having Kelsey Murphy on. Yeah, if you haven't heard of Kelsey Murphy, she is a really, really well-known life coach. She suffered from a miscarriage and she's sharing tips on maintaining the New Year's resolution goals, how to be your best you. And that may not be what you think. Actually, her advice kind of threw me for a loop, but I loved it. And also she's going to share her journey to her rainbow baby. She's due in February with her second little girl. Yes. And first we love giving a shout out to one of our friends who left a five-star review on iTunes. I know Jamie, you loved reading this one. Oh my gosh, I really did. So this is from Joy and she said, thank you, Doug and Jamie for being so open and honest each week. Thank you so much for your 2019 Christmas card. We are all feeling part of your family now. Genuinely cheers to a happy and healthy new year. I mean, that made my heart soar. I mean, Thank truly. You. Yes. I love a knowing that you got our Christmas cards because we spent probably 48 hours or more sitting at our counter, licking the envelopes. Actually, I started taping them because I was like, I can't lick all these envelopes. It's disgusting. There were so many. We sent out 5,000 this year. And we also, you know, if you're wondering why some people are still getting them and it's the new year, because we did not discriminate. We sent to Australia and Canada. I think it was over like 10 or 11 different countries. Oh, there were so many different places that we sent it to. But I was like, you know what? We have friends and I'm not going to say only in America because we love you all wherever you're We've listening. We've got friends in a lot Low of places. places. Low places. Yeah. Garth Brooks. Where the whiskey drowns I know and the God. beer chases my blues away. 
Oh, I took that and ran with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyways, thank you so much, Joy. I'm so happy to hear that you got our holiday card and that awesome. you like it and that you feel a part of our family because that means the whole wide world to me. Yes. And you can always leave a five-star review on iTunes or if you download the Himalaya app, it's free. You can organize your podcast. You can get Hot Marriage Cool Parents and leave a comment on every single episode. But it's also a great way to organize all of your favorite podcasts. Absolutely. So we're leaving for Curacao tomorrow. Oh my gosh. So we went last year and I had never even really heard of Curacao. I probably still can't point it out on a map. I definitely can because I actually Google mapped it because I'm like, where are we going? This was last year though. So it's literally like a neighbor island to Aruba and it's right above Venezuela. So we went there last year to renew our vows because every five years I really want to do something special with Doug. You know, I just really want to not let the years go by without us celebrating the fact that we were married as complete strangers and now we're happily married and growing a family and I feel like life can just become so mundane and monotonous if you don't take time to celebrate small victories. And we are no strangers to going back to places that mean something to us. I mean, we did that with with St. Thomas, with Moffoli, where we got married and stayed there. And then we we renewed our we renewed our the first time we ever renewed our vows was in St. Thomas. Right. That's where we went on our original honeymoon and we brought our family and our friends Well, not really our friends, just our family to give a real kind of wedding. We had a good first wedding too. Yeah. Kind of. But if you haven't seen it, you can actually go back. They did a special, they filmed it, and my vows will probably go down in history as one of the greatest written statements for any married at first sight cast member. You're so full of yourself, Douglas. Very much so. But they were really good and made me cry like a blobbery mess. (laughs) I started crying after my second word. Speaking of Married at First Sight, there's a brand new season on, which aired January 1st, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's five couples this year. It's a lot lot of names to remember. But yeah, so they just aired the premiere episode where they go through the casting process and then we actually got to meet the couples and this was the first time on Married at First Sight history I think where there was actually a bride that had just recently broken up with someone then found out that she was getting married and then the guy found out and then professed his love to her and tried to get her back that was the first time that happened which I'm surprised it hasn't happened before yeah actually me too I don't know it's interesting to me because she's not sure about whether she should just marry the stranger or she should go back to her ex who she still has a little bit of feelings for well she said that she loved him and she saw a relationship between them but on his end he wasn't ready for a committed relationship it sounded almost like what a typical guy would do where it's just like let me keep my options open and it it wasn't until he lost her where he's like oh yeah no I love you yeah exactly I'm like oh if I was her girlfriend at that moment I would be like don't you even dare to look back you have the whole world in front of you right now yeah which is a very trying decision and it's a very difficult one because she said that she saw a future with this person and then you're faced with okay this person's now saying that he loves me and I'm gonna marry a stranger who I have no idea what that is and I think it kind of puts her in the driver's seat too though because you know as long as she doesn't allow it to affect what happens on her current marriage she always has that to probably go back to 
Well, this is my thought on this. And actually, my friend Erica, you guys have probably heard me talk about Erica before, but she was texting me. I mean, she's obsessed with recapping it with me. And I'm like, listen, I obviously interview these people. So I'm one step ahead of the game a little bit. So I don't want to give any spoilers to you because I hate spoilers. I absolutely hate them. Like I like the genuine surprise of it. And she does as well. So she was saying, I don't know about Katie, because that's not fair to her future husband. And I was like, that's a really good point. Not for nothing. But this man's going into it, hopefully with his whole heart and really wanting to be married. And she's still hung up on her ex. But I sound familiar. Yeah, I was just gonna say I can't talk at all. Because, you know, I had the same exact problem when Doug and I got married. I had this ex and I knew that we were not a good match because he was literally 18 years older than me and he already had kids who were about my age and you know he was honestly such a great guy he taught me what real love is he was the first boyfriend I've ever had that didn't try to control me or manipulate me or who wasn't like super jealous he just let me be me and I never experienced or even witnessed true love like that before because my mom's always been in domestic violence type you know relationships and then I was honestly kind of very similar except they never you know punched me in the face or choked me or held a gun to my head like my Which mom had nice. one time like my boyfriend locked me in the bathroom and wouldn't let me out till he was done talking to me and broke into my house several times and I would find him crawling in bed with me I mean c- creepy stuff my most recent ex before I met Doug was the first guy that wasn't psycho <laughs> like I don't know maybe it's because of the way I grew up I don't know why I kind of attracted men like that I always attracted men who needed me and I nurture and love but then they're crazy when I tried to break up with them <laughs> so anyways this most recent ex of mine prior to Doug really wasn't like the best fit because he was like I said 18 years older he had kids that were my age he I did wanted- write our wedding song Yeah. Well, actually, he wasn't the most recent guy I dated before you, by the way. I dated this other guy that I met on Tinder who was also a really, a really, really good guy. But he's the one that lived close to you in the city, right? Yeah. He lived in Chelsea in the city. He was the really rich one. Yeah. He was really, really rich. And I just didn't even want to meet his family. I felt so insecure. This is when I used to be very, very ashamed of my background. And I was just so insecure about being from a trailer park and my mom being a drug addict and having custody of my siblings. I just felt like less than because of it. And I knew his family owned an apartment in the Upper East Side, but he wanted to live in Chelsea. So he rented his apartment out in the Upper East Side and then got himself his own fancy apartment in Chelsea. And I'm like, oh, no, we have nice. Yeah. I'm like, we have nothing in common. I can barely pay for my Washington Heights. Anybody from Manhattan knows Washington Heights isn't like the cool place to live in in the city. So this guy, my ex, his name's Lonnie. We changed names in my book. So if you're reading my book, Wifey 101, then his name is Stan because of legal reasons, in case you're curious why I had to do that, because I did not want to do that. But anyways, Stan, I should probably say, aka Lonnie, doesn't really matter. He was just truly such a great guy. Loved him so much. But no, where I was going with that was that Katie is still unsure about her ex, and I feel for her. And it's honestly, it's not fair to her future husband. But I mean, you and I are still married. I had to go see a therapist, though, because I just felt such a connection towards my ex, because he really was the first person to what I felt was love me unconditionally, but through seeing the therapist and the experts on the show, and also my one friend, Noah, I don't know if you know this, Doug, but one time, I mean, this was like obviously five years ago when we first got married, but I was like, I just don't know. And she's like, don't you dare. You finally have a good guy in your hands. And you, now you're wondering about your ex who you haven't even been with. This isn't even the most recent ex. Like what is wrong with you? And she just kind of really opened my eyes to see I wasn't really giving Doug a chance because I was hanging on to this 
thought of my ex who wasn't a good match for me yeah, for so you did many tell reasons. Me that. I did tell you that? Yeah. Yeah. I was so open with you, Doug, too, about all my struggles. I'm actually kind of curious. We never talked about this before. Was that good for you or bad for you when I was so honest about having these struggles, these internal struggles about feelings for my ex? It was good because it was something that wasn't hidden. It didn't seem behind my back. And it was genuine feelings that needed to come out. I think if I was a different person, if I was anybody else, it might have affected if you're jealous, you know, there would have been some form of resentment. But I've always said this, the successful couples on Married at First Sight are the ones that are ready to be married and ready to do the work. I knew who I was. I knew the situation that we were in. I knew that it was a crazy scenario where you have two weeks before you get married. And it's almost like you have to all of a sudden forget your entire past and what's recently happened over the last six, seven months. It's very, very selfish to think that you can expect your spouse to forget about their recent past and just move forward for this. I had that understanding. I had that maturity. So it was better for me. And better for me because I always say if I was married to anybody else other than you, I would be divorced right now because you were so yeah. loving. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for uh, confirming yeah, you that. Would. But no, you're just so loving and patient and so non-judgmental. And I could just cry probably the pregnancy hormones, but it's like making me think. And I'm just looking at your, your eyes Tell me more. across the table. Oh, it's like, I feel so lucky. I really am. Get happy tears. Because if I had let my ex, you know, who probably we would have never worked out anyways, I wouldn't have been happy. If I would have let the past kind of control me like that, we wouldn't have what we have now. And it's just, no, it worked out how it was supposed to. Yeah. So anyways, I love you. Thank you for I love being, you too. I mean, you were beyond patient. I mean, that was a long struggle. Anyways, we're past that. It made me think of Katie and her ex. I'm like, girlfriend, don't <laughs> you dare. This guy is clearly just probably, he doesn't want you, but he doesn't want anyone else to have you either. And don't fall into that trap. Right. So I'm hoping she gets over this ex and it doesn't destroy them. Anyways, moving on. Yeah, it is kind of crazy that they actually, all five of these couples are hot. You actually got a chance to speak to some of them. So do you like any of the people on a personal level? Yeah, I would have to say, because obviously we've already started shooting Married at First Sight Unfiltered. And we're just so open and honest on this podcast. And of course, I would get fired if I did any spoilers. And I don't want to give you spoilers because who wants spoilers? But I would have to say that Mindy... Shaban, I think is her last name. I just really like her. Like when I sat down on Unfiltered Set and talked to her, I just really, really like her. She's such a positive, great person. I really think I'd be friends with her in real life. And Katie, actually, the same one that had the issue with the ex, I did not know this. She didn't email me this, but she had emailed me way back when she had just found out she was getting married and she had two weeks to prep. And she was like, okay, so I'm one of the couples from DC and I just found out I'm getting married. She was kind of freaking out a little bit and she just asked for some advice. And I basically just told her, listen, girl, have zero expectations. Otherwise, you're going to be curled up in the corner crying like I was. And that's just a disaster. So just not have... necessarily a disaster. It, yeah, actually, it turned out OK for us. So I guess you could have expectations. Our relationship could have went so much smoother if I wasn't so. Part... I don't think so. Well, that's why I, I love you. And that's why we yeah. work out because <laughs> I think it could have for sure. I, I don't. I really don't because it made us overcome things and it made us want to get to know each other first. Yeah, that's true. And we really did get a friendship before ever like having any hanky panky or anything like that. And so I really believe that you need the foundation of friendship before you start being too physically intimate and whatnot, because otherwise it just gets so muddy, you know? Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, so I really love Mindy when I sat down with her. I honestly like all the brides. I even liked Katie when I sat down with her. I liked Mika. Taylor looks like Beyonce. The girl's freaking <laughs> gorgeous. Like, yeah. no joke. I'm excited for this season. I mean, five couples, uh, and I hope to recap it every week because I think that this is a turning point for Married at First Sight. That's a lot of couples to have to follow, but it also means that there's a lot of love stories. Yeah, you know what's really interesting is I was like, five couples, how are we ever going to follow all of them? But it actually makes the show like that much more fun because there's just so many different people and so many different scenarios happening. So I kind of really like it. It's so different from when we were there. I mean, remember how they used to keep us from each other they didn't want us to know any of the other couples we went to separate honeymoons yeah. i think i don't have any other way to look at it because you know our story is what it is but i don't know how i would have felt if we were all together in the same honeymoon well truth is courtney and i who was another bride from season one we met during casting and we exchanged numbers and it is crazy but we were both matched because there was tons of women there. So it's just shocking that we sat next to each other. We both got a match. It's just crazy that that worked out like that. So the day after we got married, which we shared the same wedding day, this is way back when there was probably like zero budget because we literally got married in an office at the Western Grand Central, which was actually very nice looking, not going to lie. Nonetheless, it was an office, like a meeting area that they zhuzhed up or something to make it look nice. Anyway, so Courtney and I got married the same day and then two days later we all go to the courthouse in Manhattan to file for our marriage license and we were there at the same exact time and so Courtney and I knew this because we were texting each other the whole time and we met in the bathroom and you know and she was like did you sleep with him she actually said did you f-u-c-k him and I was like whoa girl (laughs) (laughs) whoa girl no like far from it and she was like oh I did and like she was so happy with her husband I never told you this but when we went to the courthouse to go do the marriage certificate it all sort of hit me at once and I threw up in the bathroom are you serious I threw up because I was so nervous I totally spaced out and didn't think of it until now for whatever reason but when we got there I was so worked up that it was actually happening that I threw up in the bathroom that's really funny. I was so worked up because they called me in the back because I didn't have a dad on my birth certificate <laughs> and they were questioning my birth certificate if it was real. And I was like, this is so embarrassing. This man's known me. For-. And at this point, <laughs> I actually started not to have feelings, but I actually liked you and respected yeah. you, Doug. And like I said, this is way back when I tried to kind of hide my real life because I was embarrassed by it and I was like I don't really want to have to explain in more detail about how why I don't know my father and why he wasn't at the wedding and and you guys tried to make it a big deal like you were gonna just pull a prank on me and I just didn't care yeah like that was the best okay yeah you just like didn't care about anything it was so awesome anyways I'm really excited to watch how these new couples unfold and I'm really sad I'm sure you guys know but Courtney and Jason from our season of Married at First Sight didn't work out which Which is just for the best it is for the best I'm a firm believer that if you're not happy with whoever you're with obviously give it everything and try your best and they did they tried all sorts of different ways to keep their marriage alive and healthy but if it's not alive and healthy there is nothing wrong with a D-I-V-O-R-C-E no the whole word has a sort of negative feeling because it's sad but a divorce it's a really good thing because it is a toxic relationship right the fact that you get a divorce means that you're separating at peace it's better for everybody than just being miserable so absolutely it sucks yes but divorce is a good 
thing for everybody around you. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Doug and I, fortunately, we aren't there. Like, hopefully we never get there. But I think that we both agree that we would be co-parenting. We wouldn't be hating on each other in front of our kids. I would just do it behind your back. I'd do it behind your back too, but it wouldn't be in front of Gracie or this little one that's growing in my belly. (laughs) I'd be like, oh, Doug, that Doug. Yeah. (laughs) Mommy's looking for a new family. I'm sorry. (laughs) That is terrible. See, that's a sad thing. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah. Or mommy found a new daddy for you. You better not call him daddy. Oh, God. What happened, dad? Uh, Mommy just doesn't like us anymore. Oh, my God. I just can't. It's not a terrible thing if you have two mature people who can like really still respect each other and remember why you even got married to begin with, which for us, there's not a whole lot of foundation if you think about that. But that works for everybody else in the world, not so much us. Anyways, I am so sad that tomorrow we... I mean, I'm happy, of course, that we're leaving for Curacao, but this is our first vacation that we're not taking our daughter, and uh, it's ripping my heart out. We're going to be gone for, it's not even a full week, so there's that. Well, I think it'll be nice to sort of reconnect because we haven't had time alone together, and I'm not even talking about sex. I'm just saying I get home from work. There's a lot to do. You're tired, and we've been in the same house, but it feels like we haven't hung out at yeah. all. Yeah, it honestly kind of feels like we've been almost co-parenting and roommates, but in the most loving way possible. We just haven't done anything special together, just the two of us to just connect and be intimate. Mm-hmm. And It's recording and editing a podcast or taking pictures or cleaning the house. And then I always say this, when I get home, I have an hour and a half to cram with my daughter, sometimes less before we put her to bed. So you get home so excited getting home from work and then you want to play around for a little bit, but then there's dinner and something else to do. And by the time you look up, it's 11 o'clock. I left the house at 7.30 and I got home and now it's 11 o'clock and I just saw you, but we, you know, we didn't hang out at all. That's exactly how our life goes. And I'm sure like that's probably the majority of people who are, you know, who work and have a family and whatnot, but it's true. We've really put Gracie first since she's been born, obviously. And I have no regrets about that whatsoever, but I can see how that really does take a toll on your marriage because even when we say the other day, I called him just to say, I love you. And I miss you. I feel like I haven't even seen you. And we were like, let's do something tonight. Like we're going to do something tonight. And then we never did anything that night. We hung out with our daughter, gave her a bath, brushed her teeth, put her to bed. And then I don't even know what we did that night, but we didn't do what we said we were going to do, which I was like, let's just play cards. And you were like, let's watch Joel McHale. Kind of like watching him. That's what we did when we play cards though. Yeah. Just so there's like something fun in the background that makes you laugh. And you know, I mean, it's tough when you're pregnant because even both nights you're just like, don't hate me, but let's just do this tomorrow. Let's just do this tomorrow. I'm tired a lot to be very honest. And it's kind of embarrassing, but I'm also trying to be gentle on myself because I am growing a human in my belly. And I mean, what can I do? Nothing. Your health is most important. Yeah. Especially your mental. Yeah. Health. Speaking You're not of mental, your mental health. <laughs> no, but speaking of mental health and health and whatnot, for my New Year's resolution, I have put just self love and truly loving myself, not just having a stipulation and loving myself if I reach that goal. Which is one of the reasons why we're having Kelsey Murphy on because that is her specialty. If there was anybody that had a degree in self love, motivating, setting a a life goal and career goal and and actually accomplishing it and following through on it. This girl is an expert in every sense. She's one of the smartest people 
ever and had the most exciting career as a woman ever. Like, just to be honest, I really believe truly deep down in my soul that working out 30 minutes a day, like sweating in some way, shape or form is really healthy for you mentally. And also making sure that you're eating fresh produce and just healthy foods, like not everything from a box or from a bag or from a can. We used to do that all the time too with Henley. And I think that was a large reason why she was so smart because of all of the vegetables and little concoctions that, I would that you used her. to put together. Yeah. And it was because we didn't go out and get a lot of the processed stuff, get stuff that was out of the thing. And we actually used fresh produce to make these shakes and make these baby formula yeah. type things. It wasn't formula. Okay, so basically I would grab spinach and blueberries and a banana and I would blend it all together and because the banana has sugar in it she didn't hate the spinach and the blueberries are filled with antioxidants so I was like this is so healthy for my daughter and she likes it do you know how much of that food goes to waste in the store it's so sad all in all over 218 billion dollars of food goes to waste in this country in America every year including 20 billion pounds of produce I mean it's just so sad to me because there are kids starving all over the world. I'm not for nothing, but I didn't have fresh produce when I was a kid because my mom couldn't afford it. Well, the sad part is, is that grocery stores, they actually discredit or they don't buy foods that look imperfect or if it has a bump or if it has a scratch on it. And that's where imperfect foods come in because they're the only food delivery service that buys all of the perfectly nutritious and delicious foods that grocery stores won't. And they deliver them to people right to your door at a discount. So you can save money, but also help reduce food waste. Yeah, Imperfect Food sources directly from farmers committed to quality and delivers delicious Imperfect groceries to you for up to 30% less than grocery stores. And Jamie and I were super skeptical of this because when you think of Imperfect Food, you're like, uh, I don't know. But then you read about them in the New York Times and Bloomberg and Forbes. They have over 200 thousand satisfied customers. Yeah. And they also sell things like surplus coffee, discolored quinoa, off-size eggs, things that the grocery store just won't take. So if you want to start saving time, saving money and saving waste right now, you can just go to imperfectfoods.com slash HMCP. Now through February 16th, you'll get $10 off your next four orders. That's a total of $40 off. Just go to imperfectfoods.com slash HMCP to get $10 off your next four orders. Yep. That's just imperfectfoods.com slash HMCP and enter HMCP at checkout. I don't even care that the eggs are different sizes. It tastes the same. And we save a ton of dough. It just makes me think of the kids who are hungry and it's like, oh God, like it's, I just can't like, please, I'll eat an orange with a little bump on it. It tastes the same. It's delicious. (laughs) And thanks for helping me save money. Anyways, let's bring Kelsey on because I can't wait for you guys to hear what she has to say. This was such a great interview. So we'll bring her on now. Kelsey Murphy is a life and career coach for professional women who specializes in career transition, relationship communication, and conflict resolution. She comes from a background of client management from people like Elizabeth Arden to Green Day to Britney Spears. First of all, I cannot wait to talk about this, but she's also <laughs> been featured as an expert speaker and writer for Forbes's top-ranked career site, SheKnows.com. And she's a mama. She's actually a rainbow baby mama. She's suffered from a miscarriage, and she's also the host of the very fun podcast, Whiskey and Work. Kelsey, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on. Welcome to Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Oh, thanks so much for having me here. 
We're so excited to have you. I'm just dying to know you worked with Britney Spears. It sounds a little bit fancier than, than, than it really was because I was working on set. We were shooting a commercial with her. And when you're doing that, it's like ruling hours and long days. But yeah, when I was back in my previous career in the advertising world, I shot some commercials with Green Day and with Britney Spears. And so we got to be on the set of the Queen Mary and help her launch her new perfume and do really fun things. Hence why it was so hard for me to leave that job because yeah. it's it was so fun and so exciting. I loved all the people around me and the stuff that I was doing was so cool. And especially on paper, like you can just imagine going to the bars and being able to tell people like, yeah, I just came back from shooting with Britney Spears or, you know, we were over over in Argentina and we were shooting a Nintendo commercial. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, but it's kind of draining my soul. I had to figure out what to do next. Then I came home the next year from the holidays. People are like, what are you? You're a life coach. I'm like, I know, I know. I have a hard time with the title as well. (laughs) I was marveling at your background because I've been part of the corporate world for a little bit and we've had life coach and motivational speakers that come to our company all the time. And I was just curious how you made that transition from advertising into the life coach arena, because it it almost is like putting together marketing for other people. And then now you're marketing yourself and for others. Making that transition was, I think, a little bit of a blow to my ego. And I didn't want to go from being this very well-respected advertising director to someone that wasn't taken seriously as a life coach. And The reality is, is I think that when you start something new and you transition into a new career, you're going to be a beginner, right? You kind of have to embrace that like amateur status for a little while. I started to transition and started to dabble in coaching and coaching in different areas to figure out kind of what my specialty was. And as I kind of tested those waters out, I really found momentum in that kind of career transition area, as well as, as, you know, you know, transitioning into starting your first business. You know, it was not easy. I will tell you the transition wasn't (laughs) easy for my emotional self and for my brain, but on paper, it really was about just kind of putting my head down, allowing and embracing that kind of beginner status, you know, and knowing if I could get through that quickly, then I could accelerate to kind of the place that I wanted to be from a business standpoint. And who pointed you in that direction? Because from just looking Looking at going to positive and motivational psychology and nonviolent communication and, and business credentials, how do you take those steps and how did you know where to go and what to dabble in? I started working with a coach myself, probably just struggling with figuring out kind of who I was and how I could be in a relationship that I was really happy in and love all of myself, even the very imperfect sides. And that was kind of the work that I did with this coach. And he was a coach and also a therapist. And so when I was working with him, kind of under the guise of like therapy, I am a highly emotional, highly sensitive person, but I'm also pretty 
pretty ambitious and I like to go in. I'm a really good negotiator and I like to be able to move the needle with things. My emotions kept getting in the way of that. I would get, you know, emotionally caught up in things that I'd want to have these deep, deep, meaningful conversations with people with. And what I ended up figuring out through this this coach was, I think I got in a fight with an ex-boyfriend or something like that. And I'm so devastated, you know, because I was so emotional in that fight. And my coach looked at me and he was just like, uh-huh, Kelsey, so you're emotional. <laughs> you're sensitive. Let's move on from that. Like, that's who you are. And it's actually not to your detriment. It's one of your superpowers. It's what makes you human and compassionate. And it makes you love other people. It makes you connect deeply. It makes you intuitive. So this is a superpower. We need to stop looking at this as something that's actually um, a negative in your life. And we just need to learn how we want to work with it and how you want to love it and embrace it and stop fighting it. And that was so life-changing for me. Like, man, I want to do work like this guy is doing with me. I want to do something that powerful for somebody. And so when that happened, I was like, man, maybe I want to become a therapist. So I literally went and I looked into becoming a marriage and family therapist. And then I looked at how I could mentor people. And I looked at being a counselor for high school people and a junior college counselor and a college counselor. And I started to dabble and look in these different areas of real guidance and counseling and mentorship. And then I stumbled upon coaching. And I really fell in love with the coaching world because you just talk so much about goals and values and beliefs. And when I learned about that, I was like, man, I wish someone had talked to me about that before I had developed all of these ideas and stories for myself. I wish I had taken the time to take a step back and understand my values and my beliefs and and how I wanted to show up in the world, you know, like, so that's kind of what pushed me in that direction. On that note, one of my New Year's resolutions is really honestly just like mental health and self-love. And I feel like that seems exactly how you got into your current career is you realize what you thought maybe was your flaw with being overly emotional is actually your superpower. And and that's like something I really want to touch on for everyone listening, because I feel like we're so hard on ourselves. Nine times out of 10, we don't think we're skinny enough or smart enough or funny enough. And it's just interesting that you're able to take whatever we think is our flaw and actually make it our superpower. I think you're all of those things, James. Thank you, Douglas. I love you. (laughs) I love it. I wanted to uh, quote you, actually, because you say that your motto is, quote unquote, I believe we do our best when we're at our best, that everyone is passionate about something and that life shouldn't be taken too seriously. And so for everyone listening, I wanted to just ask you, how do you recommend a way that we can kick self-doubt and fear to the curb so that we can actually move forward effortlessly with our goals for 2020? And actually, and even how do we set realistic goals that you can stick to? Oh, goals is such a good, good conversation right now. And I know everyone's super hot on it because of the new year. Yeah, everyone Um, has a resolution right now. Yeah, I get my most calls from people right in like the end of December, beginning of January, so many calls. And then by January, literally like 15th, I'm already hearing from people how far behind they feel. It's a great thing because we love personal development and we want to be better. The problem is, is when we let that internal dialogue be at the forefront, that overpowers the internal dialogue that should be saying, you are awesome. You are doing a great job. Let's try again tomorrow. 
right? Like we can do better tomorrow. Sure. But until you recognize all of those positive things that you're doing today, we're not building up the resiliency in like our brains and, um, and our internal system to be able to then go after the goal, you know, tomorrow. So and I like love that. that too, because it's such a simple phrase to say you're doing a great job. And a lot of people, it's so easy to say you're doing a great job, but not a lot of people say it to themselves. And I think it's very important to keep yourself motivated through these goals. I know that's kind of what happens with me whenever I start to fall off. It's here comes an excuse. Here comes the reason why when, you know, go at your pace, but also remind yourself that you're doing a great job and you're a great person. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. And I actually just did a podcast on that over the holidays because I almost needed to hear that for myself. I, I feel like a lot of the podcasts that I do are like things that I need to repeat for myself and same for us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I remember just feeling, you know, the typical holiday overwhelm and it wasn't a crazy overwhelm. And we had been really simple and minimalist this holiday. But there were still many, many things that I didn't get done. And they were all really positive things, right? I wanted to do like 10 things for my daughter's preschool teacher, you know, and I got to one. And you could look at that and just feel consistently like a failure. And I had to remind myself, you're doing a great job. You're waking up in the morning with a smile for your child. You are taking her to preschool and hugging her and making her feel safe. We have to remind ourselves we are doing such a good job simply by showing up and being present. Not only should we tell ourselves it more often, but if we say it to other people more often, it just becomes part of our vocabulary. It becomes part of that natural dialogue where you're saying multiple times a day, hey, you're doing a great job. Going to Starbucks and the barista that's like, you know, we have no idea what's going on in their life and they're working their buns off, you know, (laughs) probably like 18 coffees wrong. Maybe someone yelled at them, maybe something in their personal life isn't going great. And you want to look at them and say, Hey, you're doing a great job. Or thank you so much for this simple coffee. It's so great. And thanks for being so happy. And I really appreciate it. Those things are life changing for people. We don't hear them enough. And yes. I, think, you know, when it comes to goal setting, taking this like full, full circle, that I think is such a huge part of goal setting and the system in which we go after our goal that we forget, right? So we just right. try to create these goals and then we tell ourselves we're going to write that book or we tell ourselves we're going to get our website up finally or whatever those things are. And the reality is, is life happens, right? Like right. distractions are going to happen. We always are over ambitious. You know, that's a great thing, but we plan probably too much. And then we don't usually meet the huge goal or the the huge place that we want to go. And I think the issue is less the goal. It's more the process and the system in which we are. Yes we're going after the goal. It's like, yeah, this is not going to be fun for anyone. <laughs> if you're waking up every morning and telling yourself, here's the nine things I could be doing better. So here's where I exactly. messed up again. Or I've always been lazy. So of course I'm not going to do this, you know, or I've oh always, you know, like, it's like, yeah, so crazy that internal dialogue, we ignore the goal setting process. And then because of that, we wonder why this is so hard and also not fun. 
Right, exactly. So I would say to anyone who set a goal and you already A, feel behind or B, you haven't even started. It's only three days in. Yeah. <laughs> well, first foremost, just like Kelsey said, like be so gentle on yourself because the small things that you think are nothing are actually huge things to your kid and the preschool teacher or even just smiling at your neighbor. Maybe Kelsey, you didn't give them gifts, but the fact that you were friendly and smiled and waved, I always think about cutting and driving because, you know, no one, <laughs> no one likes to be cut in front of. But if you actually actually let someone in. They're like, geez, thanks. That was nice. And then those moments in turn make you feel good because you know you're making someone else happy. The other thing I would say about setting realistic goals and all of that is probably not just set the goal, but create a plan for yourself. So even if you are quote unquote falling behind or, you know, you're just upset with yourself for not reaching it or being at a certain stage that you wanted to be at girlfriend, I'm there with you. And I think sometimes what starts to happen, and I know this from a personal perspective, you set these goals and then you forget that life happens and you forget all the things that you wouldn't necessarily write down on a piece of paper or account for. And you start to just get overwhelmed and think that there's way too much on your plate. And it's very difficult to manage and prioritize what will make the biggest impact on your life. What should you take care of? What takes priority? Do you have any tips or goals on how to manage and prioritize the goals that you set and the things in your life? Yes. Yes. And I love that. And I love everything that you guys are saying. I feel like it's so important and such a good refresher. Like even for me, I'm like, oh yeah, I got to jot some of these ideas down. So when it comes to setting your goals and following through on them, just like you were saying, you're going to get to the end of the week and you probably are going to be a little bit behind. Maybe not this week, maybe not the first week of January, maybe not the second week of January, but maybe by the third week, you're feeling a little bit behind. You've overplanned. The way to get back on track isn't to focus on the project management and the planning and the reorganizing. The first and the most important thing you can do is write down five things from that day that you're proud of about yourself. Five things. And I usually push people and I'm like, if you can hit five, go to 10. If you can hit 10, go to 15. Because what we want to do is we want to train our brains when we get behind to think about, that's all right. You know what? I'm really proud of myself for showing up and doing this today. I'm really proud of myself for just going to that coffee shop and sitting down for the 15 minutes, even though I didn't get these 25 things done. We have to retrain our brain to recognize and celebrate more often so that the next day when we plan, we're like, it's all right. I got this. I can do this again because the hardest mental shift is going in and replanning your week and not feeling overwhelmed and being like, yes, well, of course I couldn't get it done. I have these 75 things. I'm never going to be able to do this. Maybe I'll just wait till my kids are out of school. You know, (laughs) we tell ourselves, I feel like that is such a crucial piece to the process. And for my husband and I, which what's so funny is I remember there was a time where, and this is many, many years ago, but we actually were noticing that we were talking too much about personal development and too much about the things that we needed to do to be better. And we actually weren't seeing our relationship and recognizing all of the positive things about us. We were just focusing on the things that we wanted to grow and be better. And man, we really wanted to take that trip this year and we couldn't take it. So instead, we actually set our alarm for every night at eight o'clock on both of our phones. And we'd look at each other and we'd say three things like we loved about the other person or three things we loved about our life or three things that were these super 
positive things. And we vacillated between gratitude, things that we were grateful for, and just things that we were really proud of about our relationship. Like, yes, we're doing a good job. We're not nailing it. Like, there's a million things we could be doing better. But we recognize that our, in, our, our dialogue was starting to become a little bit too much of what we needed to do better versus where we're nailing it right now. And so whatever you have to do, if you have to set an alarm for yourself, if you have to make this your new nightly routine, whatever it is, I would say make sure that you're writing at least three to five things down that you're really, you're really proud about. I absolutely love that. First of all, that wasn't something that I would have recommended because I don't do that. And you do have a gratitude journal. I do. And I don't use it enough. So first and foremost, this is a good reminder to be thankful and appreciate yourself and your spouse or whoever it is every single day, because what happens when you don't, this is the spiral that I get into. And I don't know if anyone else can relate, but essentially I'll make a goal and then I will feel like I'm falling back or I haven't achieved it and I'll have all these excuses. But then I just feel like a big lazy slob and I'm just like, oh, well then I I didn't do it. And then I just eat like a ton of sugary food because that makes me feel better and I go to bed. Well, that might be because I'm pregnant, but like, (laughs) but that's a cycle that I get into. And I only feel good about myself when I actually quote unquote accomplish my goal for the day or, you know, for the season or whatever. And it's like, that is no way to live life. And also, if you're not going to feel good about yourself while you're not quote unquote accomplishing your goals, how are you ever going to get back into the mindset where you feel good enough to kind of have the energy to accomplish whatever it is these, you know, your desires are. So thank you for that advice, because it's just a really good reminder to just be thankful for the good things about yourself, whether it's like the characteristic of yourself or, you know, whatever you can give to society in some way, shape or form. But I wanted to kind of switch topics. You're currently pregnant, right? With your rainbow baby. I am. Yeah. Very pregnant. Yeah. You're due in February, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I think the last three guests we've had were less than a month away from having their baby. (laughs) And just so you know, Kelsey, the last three guests we've had literally had their baby within like two weeks. So you might have your baby early. (laughs) You know, know, I had a doctor's appointment this morning and I was supposed to fly out to Glassdoor to do a big workshop with them in Chicago. And and my doctor looked at me and she's like, oh, that's so sweet, Kelsey. You're absolutely not going. Going. Ah. I, well, I have six more weeks. She's like, first of all, you have four weeks. I don't know what your calendar says, but you have four weeks to go. And second of all, you are probably going to come early. And I was like, okay, so you guys may be calling it right now. Oh my goodness. You have to keep us updated. I'll probably be hounding you because if you have your baby within two weeks, I'm just going to go ahead and say that our podcast helps induce women into labor. <laughs> do you know what you're having? I do. We're having another little girl. That's great. You're having a little girl. It's so exciting. Congratulations to you. So I know a lot of women who follow, and I also have suffered from just pregnancy loss and just the difficulty of of growing your family when, you know, I don't know if if you were like this as a little girl, but when I was a little girl, I was like, oh, I'm going to get married at... I thought 21, but I mean, that was crazy. <laughs> and I'm going to have my baby and I'm going to have four babies like this age, this age, and this age. And like, I just had my whole life mapped out. And then, you know, I ended up getting married way later than I thought. And we start trying to have a baby and, you know, we unfortunately lost our first baby and then 
tried really hard to get pregnant again. And it just wasn't at all what we thought. So I just wanted to chat with you a little bit about just how you're handling being pregnant with a rainbow baby and how you handle the losses that you've had previously. And being an entrepreneur and managing your business and life. Uh, On top of that, (laughs) staying so positive. I mean, can you just share how you do that with us? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can probably talk to my husband and he will say she's not always this positive. (laughs) But yeah, I empathize so much with you guys and with other people that have gone through this because there's no way to plan or predict the way you're going to feel or the way that a pregnancy loss is going to affect you or affect your partner. I will say that has been such an eye-opening experience for me. You do think you have life planned out and then something like that happens and you just recognize how much you don't have control over things. Losing the last baby was so hard and such a shock. We lost that baby at about 12 weeks. And so we were pretty far along. You know, the further along you get, the worse it is because you just connect with that baby. You know, you assume everything is going to be okay. And so losing that baby, I think was the first time I was really put to the test. This idea of you really get to choose what you focus on. And when we're in that doctor's office, I'm sitting there with my husband, Colin, and my little girl, McKenna. And she just turned two at the time. And the doctor looked at us and said, you know, I'm so sorry. This does not look good. We were totally shocked about because it was our 12-week appointment. Everything had been great. We'd already seen the baby. We'd seen the heartbeat. She was like, I'm so sorry. This doesn't look good. And McKenna is over in the corner playing with the gloves in the doctor's office, right? And she has no idea what's going on. And she's laughing and giggling. And I remember just looking over at her and looking at my husband, who was just in shock, and looking at the doctor and just being like, okay, so what do we do to move forward? Tell me what the options are. And everything was such a blur at that time. But I remember thinking my greatest joy right now is McKenna. And Mm -hmm. the fact that I have this one little baby is such a blessing. I know so many friends that go through this process and they don't have a child. So for me to have McKenna there, I just thought I am already so lucky. If nothing else happens, I have this little wild two-year-old munchkin running around me. And that is what I'm going to focus on. And then I looked at my husband and was like, and I have this partner who's sitting in this 12-week appointment with me, which isn't easy, I think, for a lot of men to go to all of these doctor's appointments that we have. And I just looked at him and was just like, I'm so happy that I have this partner that I am head over heels in love with, that I have this marriage that I actually never thought I would have. I never thought I would have a partner like Colin. I never thought I would be this happy in marriage. That is what I'm going to choose to focus on. And then I looked at the doctor and we talked about what the options were. And I just thought, now what I'm going to focus on is how can I make the best decision to get my body healthy and ready for the next pregnancy. I'm going to assume we will get pregnant again. I'm going to put that out into the world because when you're at 12 weeks, you know, like they give you multiple options of how you can handle things. Mm -hmm. And my, my mindset was what option is the best for the next pregnancy? It was just a practice in really recognizing that the only thing I have control of is what I'm choosing to focus on. And I've since then really pushed myself to apply that to everything in my life from the way that I handle 
arguments with people, you know, anything that happens in life, you can choose to focus on the negative. But is that really going to make you happy? Is that really going to help you in any way? It really, for me, it's not. It doesn't right. take me to a good place. So I'm going to just let those things go. I'm going to choose to focus on the wonderful aspects of these people, the wonderful aspects of my in-laws, of my sisters, of my mom, because everyone has these beautiful, wonderful sides to them. And all of our sides that aren't that beautiful or that show up in these times of stress or sadness all have those things. And I really hope that when people look at me, they don't focus on those things, right? right. They're going to give me the benefit of the doubt and they're going to say, yeah, she's doing the best she can. Absolutely. She is doing the best she can. She's probably struggling. For me, it was really a practice. You get to choose what you want to focus on. I love that. And sometimes it's definitely easier said than done. So props to you for being able to kind of redirect your mind consistently to focusing on your daughter that you do have and your amazing husband. What was it, if you don't mind me asking, at the 12-week mark? Because you're right. I mean, without our last pregnancy, it was at the 10-week mark that we actually discovered the baby stopped growing. Was it something along that line with your baby as well? Did it stop growing? or? Yeah, it was exactly that. And what was crazy was we had the six-week appointment and we heard the heartbeat and like saw the baby on the ultrasound at six weeks. And for whatever reason, we couldn't get in at 10 weeks. So they got us in around 12 weeks, which mm -hmm. at the time didn't seem like a big deal. Right. Right. But what had happened was they had said the baby stopped growing at seven weeks. So from seven to 12 weeks, there was actually no heartbeat and the baby had stopped growing. And the crazy thing was I was super sick. I was throwing up the entire 12 weeks. So I had no idea, you know, that anything mm -hmm. had changed. I had all the pregnancy symptoms because when I went in, they had showed me that the sac had continued to grow. And so mm -hmm. my body had thought that I was still pregnant. And so I was having all these pregnancy symptoms and yet the baby had stopped growing at seven weeks. That's something that I actually really want to kind of point out because a lot of people assume that if the baby stopped growing, our baby stopped growing at six or seven weeks as well. And everyone would assume that, oh, then why did you feel so sick? Why were you so tired? Because the baby wasn't growing, but your body thinks that it is nurturing and preparing to to grow a baby and it really is trying to. And, and this literally just happened to my sister as well. Unfortunately, she was due a month after me and her baby stopped growing and she had been, she had the worst morning sickness the whole entire time. And that's the scariest part about the first trimester is for anybody who suffered a loss and then goes on to have another pregnancy. I know that it might sound annoying if they're so worried all the time, but bear with them and be patient because this is what happens. You don't know unless you go to, the, to see the doctor and then you hear the heartbeat. I really felt very insecure that I felt neurotic a little bit in the beginning of our pregnancy. And even now, I don't really feel our baby moving. And I'm almost embarrassed to admit out loud that I get so scared that I want to listen on the Doppler and my husband kind of like laughs at me. And, and I get that. But it's like for every woman who's ever suffered a loss and then to try to have a, another healthy pregnancy and just enjoy it and not be scared. That is the exact reason why you have those fears is because until that baby is safe and healthy in your arms, you just are never guaranteed anything. So I'm really glad that you kind of shared on that because 
you're not alone in feeling genuinely so pregnant the whole entire time, even though your baby stopped growing five weeks prior. Because it happened to me, it happened to my sister, it happens to a lot of people. So for anybody who's not familiar with miscarriage or loss, but want to kind of be aware of how it feels. I can't tell you, I did one podcast episode on miscarriage. You know, the rest of my podcast episodes are on motivation and goal setting and how to build your business. And I did one really describing my miscarriage in detail so people could hear what it was like for someone. Here's how I felt. And here's what I would tell you to do if you knew someone that had a miscarriage and you didn't know what to say to them. There's one small podcast episode and it is the thing that I get the most comments on. And I think it's because there's not quite as much information out there that's really relevant and personal. And there's not a lot of people sharing the intimate details of their story. So I I love and commend you and, and love that you're opening up this conversation. I think it's so important. When you talk about it, my eyes are watering. I'm still yeah. emotionally triggered. This pregnancy for me has been incredibly hard, not only with all the complications, you know, there was a lot of bleeding throughout this pregnancy which is terrifying for someone. There is a part of me, I think, that still does not lean into the fact I don't assume I'm going to have this baby. Mm -hmm. And I would love if my body allowed me to have a beautiful, happy, healthy baby girl. And I am the same way as you until that baby girl is in my arms. I know that there's a chance that that may not happen for me. She's like kicking me right now like crazy. I'm envisioning her. I'm assuming I'm going to meet her in a few weeks. And yet at the same time, because we've been through this process and this loss, I think I still know that until that baby's in my arms, you know, there's a chance that that could not happen. And so the only way for me to survive that without constantly feeling scared is to recognize that I can only do so much and and taking care of my body, you know, the best way that I can. And when I say the best way that I can, I'm still eating cheeseburgers and cake. Like, yeah. So like, <laughs> the, you know, those are not predictive of miscarriage. So right, I'm exactly. very comfortable with that. I'm very cautious of things that are markers for anything that could cause a lot of distress, right? But At the end of the day, I have to focus on the things that are going to make me so happy and so grateful. So I take myself back to that doctor's appointment where my doctor was sitting there talking to me and I was looking at McKenna and I'm looking at Colin. And the only thing that I can focus on right now is that I have McKenna and Colin and I can focus on my relationship with Colin and I can love that and I can focus on all the things that are really positive about that. And I'm just going to love and soak that up. And for me, those are the tangible things I can focus on. And so there's only so many things I can control about her in my belly right now. That's really my biggest takeaway from a lot of this conversation is you get a choice of what to focus on. And I do that a lot. Whenever I get stressed, it's changing your perspective of things. Let's focus on the positive. Let's focus on what matters. Let's focus on what to do now. And even for Jamie saying that about the whole Doppler thing, it wasn't me kind of laughing and shaking my head like you're nuts. It was just, there's only so much you can do. If there's anything wrong, what else can you do? Yeah, that's like the hardest thing because it's so easy to say that, but I really am hearing what you're saying, Kelsey, and you too, Doug. And I think that at the end of the day, stress is honestly a really, really, really bad thing for any woman who's pregnant. It obviously causes all sorts of complications. And so 
if you it's know really hard on the husband. <laughs> yeah, but no. <laughs> oh, the poor husband. Yeah, right. <laughs> they have they have it so rough. It's so true. If you're thinking about the things that you have good in your life, it will reduce your stress, which then is the best thing you can do for your baby in this current pregnancy. You just have such great advice, Kelsey. And while it's, I know personally, at least for me, it's like so much easier said than done. And I think it comes down to training yourself, like you were saying in the beginning of our conversation, training yourself to kind of refocus your brain on the things that are good rather than what you consider a flaw or something that's daunting or scary. So yeah, yeah. I think it's great. I, I know that one last question I have for you, because I know that you had said that your miscarriage was a catalyst to create a better, more meaningful and powerful podcast. Can you touch on that a little bit more and share with everyone listening? Yeah, yeah, of course. I have this business, right, where I do a lot of life coaching, career transition, and now have been helping people with starting up their businesses. I work with Marie Forleo, and I go in when she does B-School. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. And she has me come in with all her B-School students, and I help coach them, you know, get through those roadblocks. And I've been doing that the last few years. And so I've started focusing on really helping people in those three to five years of their businesses. I have a lot of one-on-one clients that I work with that are a little bit further along in their businesses, but I love the beginning phases of business. I love when we're stretching ourselves to, you know, just get over that hump of that self-doubt and embracing that amateur status so that we can get to the mastery really quick. I'm like, I feel you, sis. I was there. So that's such a sweet spot for me. I love it. So I've been doing that and I decided I was going to start a podcast and I kept talking about it and kept talking about it. And I had so many people say, you have to start a podcast. And so it was on my list of things to do. But of course, that same thought crept in. I don't want to be a beginner. I don't want to have a crappy podcast, right? Like I don't want to have something out there that, you know, isn't really good. I have high standards. And of course, we all know you have to start at that place. I got this DM from Amy Porterfield. That was I like, love her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's amazing. She's lovely. And I got this DM from her being like, Kelsey, I'm giving you 30 days. You've got to get that podcast up in 30 days. I'm, I'm setting this for you. And I'm like, okay, you have to do it. So I started to get really serious about it. And within two weeks of that 30 days is right when we miscarried. And your world just stands still when something like that happens, right? And I clearly canceled a lot of things that week. But I thought about the podcast because it was such a big project I was working on. And what I had originally wanted to do the podcast for was just, you know, business and life and motivation. And when I miscarried and I started to look at McKenna and look at Colin and look at my life, I recognized the opportunity of creating a podcast and the fact that you can create a podcast for free and you can record these moments in your life and almost have this audio diary. And I thought, oh my gosh, I could record my thoughts and my opinions and what I believe in the world and what I'm going through. And I could give that to McKenna as something where she could see what was mom like when she was going through this period of her life. And so all of a sudden, 
the podcast became this very special, special thing to me where I was like, you know what? I'm going to set a goal of recording 10 of these. I'm just going to record 10 podcasts. I'm going to do five of them about something I care about and five of them with people that I love and admire and that are doing really cool things in the world. And once I hit that 10, I'll see if I like it. Right. That was really it for me. It really became, oh my gosh, this could be something really special. And on top of that, if yes, it connects with other humans and makes us feel closer in such a disconnected world, and then it could build my business from that, that'd be amazing. Yeah, that would be fantastic. That would be the long (laughs) goal. But all of a sudden, that became very secondary, you know, and what ended up happening was after just a few of the podcasts, I recognized how much I loved it. And it blew my business up, to be honest, It, it just I got so much traction from my business, because I was bearing my soul. You know, I was a connection. You you build a connection and sometimes you don't even realize it. We were just talking about this yesterday because we've reached now over a million downloads and we've been doing this for a year and we never even set a goal for it. And it just blew my mind. You know, you realize that you connect with the people and people start to care about your life. And one of the quotes that I love that maybe was on your website was, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. And I think that is just such a perfect quote for the success of this podcast, the success of any business, the success that my wife has had, because she's been such an open book and honest and really bearing her soul for everyone. Good God, Doug. I sound like you're just patting. (laughs) I'm just saying, I, I just think Kelsey, you mentioned this in in the beginning was just, you know, being vulnerable and putting it out there and, you know, showing that I think is just such a connection that people have. I I couldn't agree more. And I actually love that you're vocally saying that. I I love that I can hear Jamie being so uncomfortable. (laughs) I am so uncomfortable right now. I'm like, stop it. I love it. I mean, honestly, Doug could be focusing on anything right now. And there's, I'm sure there's plenty of things that you do that you're, that, that are not right <laughs> as, as we oh, all do. But, yes. you know, I mean, even just him saying that out loud, I think is so important because I feel the exact same way about you and what you're doing. And I feel the exact same way about this podcast project. And I think it's so important we say that out loud. We're doing these things to connect with people. We're reminding ourselves why we're doing these things because you can get caught up in so many of the other aspects of growing a business and doing media like podcasting. We start to really embrace that and embody that. And that's how we start to live that out. We remember when we go to bed tonight, that is why we did that today. That is why we sat in the cold basement. It was a meaningful thing. Kelsey, you did a great job today. Yeah. I just want to say that out loud too. <laughs> Kelsey, I'm gonna take did, that with me. You did a really great job today, Kelsey. <laughs> so much. You're so great. But on a serious note, I absolutely love this conversation. You just radiate so much positivity. Like I wish we could be neighbors because I feel like I'd be that girl. Like, hey, you want to have a play date? <laughs> 
<laughs> right there with you. For everyone listening, where can everyone find you on social media and for your podcast and all the things? I would say just come over. My website is kelseymurphy.com. Um, the podcast is called Whiskey and Work. And then if you really want to connect with me, like your best bet is to slide into my DMs over on Instagram. And I'm just Kelsey Murphy over there. But yeah, if you hear me on this podcast or you want to come say hi, slide into my DMs, say hello, what's up? And we can connect, you know, personally. I kind of love that because and it's just so nice to be able to hear somebody that you really admire and then be like, oh, you actually want to DM me? Okay, cool. Thanks. Okay, I'll slide into your DMs. <laughs> yeah, totally. Kelsey, thank you so much. I know you're due to have this baby just about any day now. So thanks for taking the time to come out and to chat with us and all of our listeners. We appreciate it so thank much. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you guys, thank you for having me on and thank you for what you're doing. I really love it. And I think it's so valuable and, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Oh my goodness. I could talk to you again and again, but I'll let you go for now. I'm sure you're tired and <laughs> we'll DM you. Next yeah. We'll slide into your DMs. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much guys. All right. Bye. Bye. This girl, I just love having a really good guest on who feeds my soul. She really simplifies a lot of what stress and anxiety and how you're in control and how you can focus on and choose what you want to focus on, which can be positive and not, not gonna negative. lie though, Doug. Like I have a husband who tells me this like day in and day out. And, and I you don't never listen, listen to me. I do not listen to you. But because like it's a almost I hate to say it out loud, but it's true. Like it's almost annoying coming from you. But when she says it, I'm like, oh, you're right. so right. I've been so right about a lot of things. It but just it, takes so called experts to tell you the same things I'm saying. It's so true. I'm sorry, Doug. I love you. It's all right. We've all grown from this episode. And Jamie, I just want to say that you're doing a great job, not just a great job on this podcast, but a great job as a wife and a great job as a mother. Thank you. That's like Kelsey's saying. If you go to her Instagram, that's her thing is you're doing a great job. And first of all, Doug, actually, thank you. I feel like I almost dismissed that because it's from you. And so that's like so silly though. Like I'm choosing you. what to focus on. Yeah. And thank you for, for saying that. Cause that does yeah. mean a lot to me. You're but, not going to say it back. Yeah. Oh, Doug, yeah. You're doing a great job too. <laughs> you're an amazing you're welcome. husband and father. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, really we're going to be able to recap all of our baby moon on next week's episode of oh. Marriage Cool Parents. So I cannot stay wait. tuned. I cannot wait to tell you guys all about what happens in Curacao. And we'll obviously be, you know, updating on Instagram and whatnot with you guys just because I feel like I don't want to be so far away from you guys. But you can follow us at Hot Marriage Cool Parents or Doug Hayner, or Jamie and Otis, and Henley Grace Hayner. And we even have an Instagram for our baby boy Hayner, who doesn't have a name yet. So. That's true. And I know we spent a lot of time in the beginning talking about how we first got together, and a little bit more about your past. And a great way to get even deeper connected with us is to grab Jamie's book, Wifey 101, which is a phenomenal biography oh thanks Doug it's really more of like a memoir of like just our first year of marriage the title is like wifey 101 everything I got wrong after finding Mr. Right because obviously it wasn't like it's, it's a kind of a funny title because I it's like a joke I'm not really a good wife like I should not be giving any <laughs> tutorial on how to be a wife are you saying that it's a joke that I'm Mr. Right 
No, I'm saying it's oh god, Douglas. I'm saying it's a joke like wifey 101 like you think some expert wrote it, but uh the joke is that I was far from an expert and well, you've been working on that that book for a while, even in the beginning of our marriage. So it was a nice little way to get to know you and your background and I'm sure it was a great way for you to to vent and get all your thoughts and and I'm sure it was therapeutic for you. Yeah, no joke. I there was something that I did in my past that I've actually talked about on this podcast. Like, you know, I've had an abortion and it's not something I'm proud of, but I couldn't say that those words out loud. It's still hard for me to say that out loud. And I never told Doug. And I was like, well, I've been married now for a year. Like it's about time I tell him. Like I wrote about it because it's so therapeutic and easy for me to write. So I just wrote the book and I said, can you just read this chapter? Like if you read nothing else, just read this chapter because I needed him to know that about me. I don't know. I just know that he accepted me, to be honest. And obviously he did because here we are. So yeah, I would love it if you wanted to grab a copy of Wifey 101. And I actually have signed copies. I personalize each copy from my website. So if you're interested, you can just go to jamieotis.com or you can go to amazon.com and get it. It's less expensive on Amazon, not going to lie. So (laughs) if you want the cheaper copy, go to Amazon. Tell your friends. Now, (laughs) we'll talk to you guys later. We'll see you from bright, sunny Curacao. Love you. Love you. Bye.